sound check, video check, and we're live. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Y and J show. I'm your host Y, Yahyatles, and J for John Warra. And today we have Dr. Jad Dirgham. Uh, Dr. Jad is a family medicine doctor. Yes. He studied uh, in the States. Yes. And he's also a hypnotherapist. Yes, Mazboot. Hello. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. We're very glad to have you. Honors ours. How are you? Hey. Um, we have a lot to talk about. Okay. Yeah, I don't know where to start. Okay. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? How you came back to Lebanon? How I came back to Lebanon? Um, yani, the States was never my uh, final destination. Uh, definitely the program that I was in helped me travel all around the world. Uh, the Caribbean, Miami, New York, uh, England. And uh, I think when I was done, when I graduated from New York, um, it was easy for my family to convince me to come back. Uh, and I ended up, you know, coming back to the AUB, family medicine. Ooh, this is where I started noticing, you know, there's something missing. Mm-hmm. I started... I started, you know, going for the. Uh, I started going for the alternative, you know, medicine approach. Mm-hmm. So I got okay, it. that's interesting. Yeah. So you started in the U.S. So you went to medical school uh, in the U.S., right? In the U.S., yeah. So you did your undergrad here or there? I met my undergrad at uh, University of North Carolina. Oh, okay. so UNC. Yeah. Okay, nice. And then I went to medical school. North Carolina, real Manta. Super. It's Kira very wa- calm. Very rawa, ktir quaint. Maybe sirchi. Like nothing ever happens mm-hmm. over there. Ktir, ktir rawa, halu al Manta. Baser jat al Lebanon. Hasset no ktir ikhtalaf al jaw amak. Ma kain andi waqt lhatta fakir bi hal mawdu. You know, I came back. Ikhto khayi kint samni tisasnin ghayib. So uh, getting busy with the family again, applying to AUB. Uh, at the time, I was uh, learning how to train dogs, actually. I became like a dog trainer, Kimeno. Uh, I got my dog, and then residency started. So I didn't feel like there was much change. I was busy there. I was busy here. It was, nice. uh, it was good to be back home, actually. Yeah. What uh, off-topic this? What breed of dog do you get? Akitas. What? Akita. Akita. Oh, Akita. nice. Yeah. <laughs> and I got... You know, what, Training that I had was specific to the Akita, because they're a very stubborn type of dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're independent, and it translates yeah. to humans as, as stubbornness. Stubbornness, so, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, so you you mentioned there was something missing. Could you elaborate a bit more on that about um, medicine and something missing about it? Sure. So uh, no, Western medicine obviously has taken us so far, mm-hmm. and uh, in a lot of cases it's very helpful, but. What you notice on a connection level with a patient, uh, most times I know they don't usually leave fulfilled. Uh, when they come back, they're, no, they're not always better. Their well-being is not complete. Uh, you know, their, their LDL levels are fine, and their CBC is back to normal. Uh, <laughs> but they're not happy. There's something missing. And I think they come to the doctor trying to find the reason for it, trying to find an understanding mm-hmm. of their pains, of their anxieties, and they're not really getting it. You know, say, oh, you have anxiety, but, you know, your, your TSH is normal. Okay. So, you know, why? So I always felt like 
في شيء ناقص بال the approach that we have with patients um, and I guess uh, in the states there was lots of you know uh, first time experiences for me uh, they affected me in a certain way okay. and I became a hypnotherapy client so I was a patient and oh. this is how I got introduced to hypnotherapy and nice. I noticed how much it changed me changed my life my perspective and I thought I would bring that in to my practice. But I have a question. How, uh, usually, uh, I think um, if someone has, uh, let's say, uh, they don't feel right, they, I've never heard of anyone go to a hypnotherapist. Uh, maybe because it's not very well known in Lebanon, but as well out there. Usually people who go for more traditional, maybe a psychologist, a, a, a therapist, clinical psychologist. So, um, so hypnosis was basically banned from the medical field for a long time uh, but uh, it's back into the game and it's still controversial it's still a controversial topic but it is still based on science it's a it is science yeah um, um and mm -hmm. uh, uh nobody really hears much of it because it's one of those you know is it uh, spiritual? Is it religious? Is it? Does it have to do with the soul? Does it not? I think it's hocus pocus. It's still one of those, you know, treatments that people are, are not very sure about. Mm -hmm. TV doesn't help. Movies don't help. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Was it uh, practiced by Freud? It was. Yes, it was. So it was part of the psychoanalytical school. Yes, which is currently uh, like psychoanalysis is uh, not currently a mainstay in therapy at all. You know, no, so in Lebanon it is. It is no, it depends. There are two schools in Lebanon. So you have the American school, mm -hmm. and you have an Eastern school. So Bijama Lebanese, Masalan, and USG. They study uh, psychoanalysis, okay. and they learn how to perform psychoanalysis. Okay. Now, has it been useful? It's usually psychoanalysis from what I've seen, like uh, the courses I took at the UB. Um, most courses, because, uh, which I agree with, that they're like psychology is a science. So you base your um, findings on research, on concrete evidence. Uh, so if you have evidence-based medicine, so evidence-based psychology. And, um, I think that uh, psychoanalysis was actually useful in cases of trauma and PTSD. This is where it was actually fruitful, and you would see results with, uh, mm -hmm. with clients. And also throughout history, um, when there was this group of people who wanted to turn psychology into something like uh, biology and, and use statistics and data and all of this, so they drifted a little bit from the philosophical aspect, the more spiritual aspect. They, they Which is not necessarily a good thing. Um, I think there is a place for both. Yes. And uh, a lot of people, they say that psychoanalysis has given them things that psychology has couldn't give. Absolutely. Uh, it definitely was a building block in the complete knowledge of what's currently... That we're still building the knowledge of how to analyze somebody's consciousness. But... Um, to me, when we start talking about hypnosis and hypnotherapy, our point is to let go of this conscious, logical mind and delve into this mysterious, unconscious or subconscious mind. So the more we talk about logic and statistics, the less, the further away we are from the actual topic. So sure. it's, you know, hypnotherapy is calming down the logic and tapping into the, the, the unconscious, the subconscious, which to us 
shouldn't be logical. This is the whole point of it. Um, yeah. Uh, earlier um, that I thought we should talk about on the podcast, which is pleasure and happiness. Ah, nice. Yeah. And I think uh, you mentioned something that people always come to doctors searching for that, for these answers. And one of those main questions they have usually is they, they want this fulfillment or to reach that state of happiness, which always... Uh, they confuse, uh, well, especially in today's society, which is a very, um, uh, they want answers right now. It's a very, you know, I want the likes right now. You post a picture, you know, it's uh, very, you know, uh, so very hey, quick, uh, quick answers. But um, uh, it's, it's a long-term gratification, not short-term. This is what we need to be practicing. Um, so pleasure versus happiness. Uh, definitely pleasures are, you know, they're good when they come in small doses as dopamine rushes for our achievements. So when we achieve something, we get a nice dopamine rush, and this is good because it's a reward system in our brain that is useful to us. But sarfi and uh, an induced form of a, uh, of uh, pleasures. So andak, you know, drugs. You have lots of lots of drugs in the market. And they all induce dopamine in the reward system. And people start confusing this sensation with what happiness is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's all fine and dandy when you're taking the drug and you're fully aware of that this is not happiness. This is a conscious choice that I've made to take for this night. And then you put that aside and you don't continue to pursue it as your, you know, your journey to, towards happiness. But when you start confusing it with what happiness is, this is where problems start coming in. Um, you start... Uh, getting tolerance and addictions and um, misery uh, that is confusing because you think you're happy and then you're not. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a very um, polarized... And people start looking for pleasure as a way to grant them this yes. happiness. Me, even me. But it, it doesn't actually give... And them. then we spoke about this today. That's right. The more yeah, pleasure you seek, the less happy you become. Uh, which one basically uh, gives you that dopamine rush? So the dopamine, so drugs usually when we say like, oh, he's going to go dope or this is so dope. So the word dope comes from dopamine. And uh, so the, the dopamine rush is your pleasure system. And uh, we know that serotonin is our happy hormone. So SSRIs and SNRIs, they work on the serotonin reuptake. So serotonin is our happy hormone. And this is where biologically we can explain the the wise sentence the, that says, you know, the the more pleasure you seek, the less happy you become. And you um, build a certain tolerance. On you build a tolerance, yes. So the, um, the, the biological you know, facts behind it is that uh, when you get a surge of dopamine, uh, the only thing that basically uh, happens is the dopamine receptors become less because neurons die when you have so much dopamine being released. So to protect itself, the brain releases, uh, decreases sorry, the dopamine receptors and... Uh, Therefore, the, you know, to get to that same high that you did before, you're not going to get there. So you need to increase your second dose. Mm -hmm. And this is where you start going more and more drugs and the higher dosage to get that first high. They call yeah, it um, chasing the white uh, horse or chasing the white dragon. Oh, she mm -hmm. And you know, you'll never get there. Um, and then you, uh, the other thing that happens when you get this dopamine rush is that your serotonin receptors also die. Um, and this is very interesting. And the more dopamine that gets released, the less serotonin you have. And so this is where the 
fact comes in and the, the more pleasure we seek the less happy we become uh, and it's very difficult to stop this and when you stop let's say you make the decision to stop the addiction and your dopamine is not there your serotonin is also not there so you're in a state of severe down with no signs on the horizon of this happiness being there uh, and it's just a matter of I guess persistence and faith and a little you know determination it does come back it just takes a long time and it's a very very difficult mm -hmm. uh, period yeah, in people's lives but it does come back yeah. I also really liked uh, when we talked about responsibility and accountability sure. taking responsibility and accountability to your decisions and actions in life yes. like no one's perfect right you can do a lot of things you can um, eat chocolate and sugar and uh, <laughs> you can smoke and but the fact is you know you should be responsible for these decisions Most not um, blame people or give excuses whatever happens happens the football head, football head, A lot of the times, I would be with a client, with a patient, and I'd be giving advice about, you know, smoking or about how bad sugar can be. And then, you know, I'd walk downstairs with them and I'd light a cigarette. Um, I, I smoke maybe three, four cigarettes a day. Uh, sometimes I don't smoke at all. It's, it's a very calm relationship I have with smoking. Uh, but they see me downstairs and they say, oh, you know, you're a hypocrite, you know. <laughs> and, 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 and in a sense, they're, they're right. I do understand why they would say this. But they say this to make their guilt about smoking get less. And that's not, that's not what it should be. Mm -hmm. I never, I give correct facts about what smoking is. And my first sentence is with everybody is that you smoke because you choose to smoke. I don't like to hear a patient or a client say, I smoke because I have stress in my life. My next sentence is usually always, that's the same excuse any drug addict would have or any heroin abuser would use. Because I have stress in my life, I do yeah. this. And so your excuse is the same as his, do you accept his? And they say, no. I say, no, I don't do it. I'm like, but that's the same excuse. So you can use it for anything. Um, and I say, it's your body and it's your choice. So if you choose to smoke, I respect it, but don't blame it on the stress. And so mm -hmm. I choose to smoke because I enjoy it. And so I don't blame it on anything. And it's again with almost everything that we, we do and just take responsibility for the choices that we make. Don't blame it on anything because in that way you are, you are insulting yourself. You are removing the, the, the knowledge of knowing that you can change who you are and change your habits by saying, oh, it's not in my hands. But it is, we have the power to change so much and we forget that. Yeah. That's true. I have a question about, uh, to go more into uh, your field of specialty, about hypnosis. Hypnosis. Yeah. <laughs> is it hypnosis or hypnotherapy? It's the same thing. So I'm, I'm a hypnotist or, hyp uh, or hypnothera hypnotherapist. Yeah, hypnotherapist. Okay. So um, I remember a, uh, actually quite a few years back, uh, before I even went into medicine, I was maybe still a pre-med, okay. so more than five, six years ago. Um, I remember... Trying I, to hypnotize girls to like him. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> I don't need to do anything for him. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, basically, I remember that uh, my mom being a, uh, an anesthesiologist. Okay. Um, so, usually, you know what, like, an anesthesiologist just goes and, like... That's great. 
Anesthesiologists have very good uh, hypnotherapy, like in a, in a tube, basically. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Hypnosis in a tube. So I remember her uh, talking about someone who came and um, did a special type of, uh, started a special type of anesthesia, which does not involve an IV, which is basically just talking to a patient, getting him in this trance and hypnotizing them while someone else is working on their hand, like an open wound on their hand. And uh, I've heard about this case. It, I think it happened in New York as well. Yeah, I think so. But either the, the dentistry, the person, yeah, and the person who did that actually came and gave a uh, seminar mm-hmm. in a hospital in Lebanon in uh, CMC, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, but that's quite a few years back. So I wanted to ask you, is, the, is like hypnotherapy and hypnosis that developed and that powerful? And how, how can this happen? Because you've, I've heard a lot of times, like, uh, I mean, you can't hypnotize someone is a hand magazine, like they, they, they yes, have this so thought that no. So, uh, take, take us through the process. Pretty much. Okay. So hypnosis is a changed state of consciousness where you are very focused, but at the same time, you're extremely relaxed. Uh, the susceptible f- to suggestions. Susceptible to suggestions. The, the focused part is the part that is connected to your subconscious mind, and the relaxed part is the logical and anal- analytical mind, which is your conscious mind. Um, the, uh, the whole point of it is decreasing your, your barriers, to letting go of your barriers. And I know Hypno that. You would like to know and know how much hypnosis. You said hypnosis has gone so far. Yeah. It's hip- more like all hypnosis. The mm-hmm. sentence is really important because all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. Mm-hmm. I cannot hypnotize you. You need to accept being hypnotized. So you need to hypnotize yourself. So yeah. I cannot make you breathe and relax through your breath. You have to breathe like me so I can show you the way. But you need to do it. So all hypnosis is self-hypnosis, which kind of is cool because as a hypnotherapist, you can never go wrong. So because the patient will accept the suggestions if they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot give us, I, the patient cannot accept anything or do anything without them actually accepting it and doing it themselves. Um, and as he said, it's a state of accepting suggestions. Um, so the word is very important. They're just suggestions. It's up to you to accept them. Do patients remember after they are hypnotized? If they choose not to remember, they won't. So again, it's up to them. Do they make this decision before they're hypnotized or after? uh, There are levels of uh, uh, hypnosis. Uh, The last three, so there are six. So the final three are amnesic. So sometimes you don't remember everything. You can. Uh, It's a choice that the patient makes. So it also opens the realm of the subconscious. So does it really help you recall certain memories that... Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the subconscious mind is responsible for four main things. Uh, it's responsible for long-term memory, your behaviors. Um, it's responsible for uh, your um, self-preservation, and emotions. Those four things lead your daily life from stopping at a stoplight to blowing on, you know, like your coffee while it's hot Mm -hmm. to your very repetitive, you know, could be good habits or bad habits. It's the things that you do on a daily basis without thinking. These are automatic. And this is what hypnotherapy allows you to tap into. So long term memory. Can you remember? Yeah. I remember I had memories when I was like two years old. Wow. very clear ones and I went and I asked my uncle about them he's like how do you know you were a baby 
I remember them very clearly during the therapy. session. Hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. Yeah. It's a really cool experience because when you're in it, it's very natural. It's not something spiritual. It's just you. Also, patients who had um, the, who were abused or had PTSD, they sometimes uh, they can't remember. They they reach a point where they have this, which is a, a defense mechanism, right? That your brain does. Correct. The so, yeah. yep. hypnotherapy helps them recall these memories. Blocked blocked traumas. Yes, mm. me even me. So our brain protected us by blocking them. Uh, and once you're ready to heal, which is why a patient would come to a hypnotherapist, they're ready to let go of it. The brain will allow the, the, the behavior or the memory to mm -hmm. come back up to the surface, and we can only deal with things that come up to the surface. Mm -hmm. it, we won't get memories that we can't deal with. Yeah. Um, and our, our bodies will and our minds will allow us to get over it in its own way. And again, it's up to the client, it's up to the patient to let go of this memory or to heal from it. It's never and the trust between the therapist and the patient and the client is very important. There needs to be very very good uh, connection. Absolutely, mm -hmm. there needs to be trust because uh, the whole point of hypnosis and healing is surrendering what you currently know, because it hasn't led you to where you want to be. So it's a state of like also surrender where you just accept whatever the, another person is telling you and you let yourself go and you just go on this path that is new and you know different changing environment and changing uh, thought process can be scary but we always need to remember that change is safe yeah. and other than that that goes back to the idea that usually uh, when someone has PTSD when they uh, like the final goal or the end goal of a therapist usually a psychoanalyst would be to try to integrate the memory of their trauma in their sense of identity. Absolutely. That this actually happened with me so that they can acknowledge it. So that's very interesting because it's basically conjoining it's, both uh, roads. There is definitely, there's a very, very important, very powerful mechanism in uh, neuro-linguistic and NLP uh, hyp hypnosis where you do something called parts integration. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's always starting with a patient of a, a limiting belief or a, you know, uh, something that they feel is a negative aspect of who they are. Uh, and you don't try to ignore it. You face it, you accept it, you thank it, you learn from it, and you bring it into the whole. So it is who you are, but it's not, mm -hmm. it doesn't define you. Yeah. And so you can choose not to be, even though it's a part of you, and so many other things are as well. We just choose to focus on a few things at a time, you know? Yeah. And also, um, a lot of people, I, I think, um, they are afraid a little bit of the concept. They fear um, first trusting someone. Right. So there has to be like a warming up sessions and... There needs to be, yes. Um, so usually my first session with a client would be somewhere along the lines of, um, you know, filling out a sheet. Uh, why are you here? What are your biggest problems in your life um, currently, like right now? And what is the intention of your visit? So the intention is extremely important because hypnosis can only get you to where you want to go, but you need to set your destination. So I need to know what you want. Uh, do you and they're want the most vulnerable people, people who come, who seek. They are the ones with the most barriers that are ready to fall. Absolutely. They want these walls to fall, but these walls are there. 
uh, they don't know how to let go of them. They're scared to change. It's like it's like a mouse, like that's hiding behind a wall. Like there's, it's safe to come out. You're gonna be okay. Um, it's a um, it's a difficult process, uh, but as soon as a patient, even even during the first session, as soon as they notice that they walk out with a different energy and a different light and a recognition of their own ability of who they are and what they can do. It's really amazing to see. I was so nervous the first time I did a session on somebody. I, I usually get very anxious. I get very nervous. I'm very good at hiding that and pretending as if, you know. But when I saw it, I'm like, oh, I'm like, this actually really works. I remember feeling the way he did. And it was, it was really amazing to see how much hypnotherapy can, can bring a patient back into his, uh, mm-hmm. back into his own light. Yeah, it's very nice. You know? And it's very important for the therapist, actually any medical practitioner, there's a lot of responsibility. Like in Lebanon, sometimes, certain, and we hear a lot uh, regarding psychiatrists to practice the roles of clinical psychologists and all of that. Uh, so... It's, I believe, people who are in the medical field, and especially who are in therapy, mm. they have so much responsibility to stay ethical, to stay um, unbiased. Right. And uh, there's a certain barrier between, uh, um, between the patient and the therapist that shouldn't be crossed. Most both. Um, you've got... And it's, it's also difficult. I know sometimes uh, you, you feel so a lot of empathy towards that... Uh, vulnerable patient like you want to go above and beyond and we spoke about this that's very true Uh, a lot of people tell me that I get too involved and they fear that I get emotionally drained or too energetically charged from what's Mm -hmm. going on and I never I never understood what the problem with that was to begin with if I go back home and I'm feeling good about the work that I've done why would this be a problem I do believe medical is personal. I, I don't think that when you're taking care of somebody's health, it cannot be personal. It is personal. It's medical, but to me, it, it's got to be a little bit more than this. Uh, I don't think that people that go into hypnotherapy have bad intentions towards others to begin with. Uh, it's a lot of work and a lot of studying and a lot of self-reflection. And what you end up noticing is that uh, it's not the... Um, it's not the doctors that are there just for the money they'll go into hypnotherapy. It's somebody that's been traumatized or hurt who has gone through the process of hypnosis that wants to share it, wants to share how much it can help and how much good it can do. And uh, yes, hypnosis can be used in a bad way. But again, you can always blame the patient for it because all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. Mm-hmm. So the patient accepted to do what they did and it's all part of like a... You know, so I like I implicit consent form because the patient had it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but you know, for me, it's uh, I get most of the patients that I see on the first session. I don't usually see them on the second session. Yeah, and, um, uh, it, it's very clear to a hypnotherapist if a client is a good hypnotherapy client or not. Uh, and from the first session, you know, you can tell should we continue with him, should we not? And most of the patients I have to reject because uh, they're not really there for healing. They're there to get something out of the session that is not ecological. It's not something that is good for everybody's you know, benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes a mother would come and say, can you change my son in this way? Can you change his sexuality? And I'm like, 
no, 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 not, not me. That's not that's not how it works. Absolutely not. Um, and they 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 truly believe in and this is how it works. Like it's magic, mm. and it's it's not. It doesn't work. It that does way. not. No, not at all. Yeah, I really respect the these fields. Like, no, they. يعني بتحس الثيرابيست عم يعطي من نفسه ومن قلبه. We also spoke about certain types of people. I think there's a scale that you talk you told me about. And uh, uh, your favorite guys, Elon Musk. Elon Musk, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jad, uh, بنظرك Elon Musk is doing good for humanity. Yes, so. But I do know that there are several diff- seven different levels of ethical, uh, you know, seven different ethical levels, um, value level systems, basically. Uh, let's say you're a student and you're trying to get somewhere, you're value level three, you know, hopeful five. Five is like your institutions, your successful institutions like Starbucks and Google and, uh, you know, your really big ones. Even if you like, you're a doctor and you've got your own clinic and you've made it, This is a mm-hmm. value level of five. You're doing it for yourself, for your community. You're well. Uh, level six is where you let go of all materialistic things and you go out into the world and say, oh, I want to be a monk. And you, you, know, you donate all your money and everything to you know, somebody else. That's and that's not, not, that's not the best thing yeah. that you can do because you haven't integrated what you've done with the, with the um, wisdom that you're currently achieving. It's a bit... Um, <laughs> that wasn't my reaction. <laughs> it's selfish. Uh, it's a bit uh, uh, wasteful. Wasteful, yeah. Because seven is where you integrate the money with the wisdom, and this is where somebody like Elon Musk comes in, mm-hmm. where he is doing something for the benefit of all of mankind, where his goal is not his profit or his survival. It's, it's something that is for humanity itself. And throughout history, we can... like. There are specific people that are there. Very rare do you get somebody that... Like Einstein or people who contributed. Even me, absolutely, yes. Halloween is a these value levels, because then you start thinking, who do I know that's value level seven? And it's usually, <laughs> no it's usually nobody. Because <laughs> <laughs> And then you say, ah, oh, he's three or he's four. And Allah, I think I'm, uh, I want to be six. And, and then you start noticing, oh, I wanted to go to, to, to Tibet. And you're like, wait, no, I don't want to go to Tibet. You don't want to I don't want to go to Tibet anymore. Yeah. كتير حلوين هود ال lessons that we learn yeah and uh, let's go to like uh, your elisar يعني من من وقت ما كنت بأمريكا لهلا رجعت as we talked about pretty much everything okay um, so basically how would you describe هلا كيف أهدي الوضع اللي إحنا فيه especially after the quake هلا I'm the type of person that if something passed I don't usually look back and talk about it anymore. Uh, I used to be that person that was always the victim of my past and always blaming my past for, and then I was woken up, we spoke about this. Uh, a friend of mine actually came to me and told me, he's like, oh, you, you victimized yourself. And I got so angry. I'm like, why would you say yeah. that to me? <laughs> like, I was, I am a victim of my past. And I, I was about to stand up and like get really angry with him. And I remembered reading something If somebody tells you something and you get really negatively charged from it, it's most likely because it's true. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, I'll take that as a fact. And it was a split second in my head. I'm like, oh, he, he, is, he is right. I am. And I stood up and I'm like, thank you so much. You're correct. And since that day, I noticed that you know, I'm not going to be talking about the past anymore. If something has passed... Oh. It's fine. It's fine. 
if something has passed, I will no longer talk about it. It doesn't determine my day right now. But اليوم بلبنان عندك الوضع you know like the economical situation is unstable, um, the political system is unstable, uh, uh, and then and then the the earth shakes yeah, underneath you, <laughs> and so you know كل هاد القصص عبادون you add the quake to it, people will start getting very, very scared and very anxious and they will start um, catastrophizing and dramatizing the, the, the quake situation. If it was any other day, nobody would have even mentioned it, you know? They would have said, oh, that was fun. And that was it. I'm like, what happened? What happened? The blast was a disaster. Yeah, I can't. The blast was a big one. Of course, yeah, yeah that, that uh, we can't can't deny it. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> of course not. Uh, oh, I can. Okay. So Dr. Jad is also an artist, uh, and recently he's discovered a really good artist. <laughs> Just one thing. This can. انت ملاحظ قد ايه وقت نجيب جاز بيكون حدا بيغني حدا بيرقص انا وياك صفر ماشي قال انا كنا فاكرين انه حتى انا دونت نو انا اي ديسكفرد اي كان بينت 2 ييرز اجو اي هاد اي هاد نو ايديا ميبي ذير سمثينغ ايلس سو وير دو اي بينت ذس يور كاميرا سو ذس از ا بينتينغ ذات اي واز اسكت تو بينت باي ماي باي ماي ستاف مام And it is, uh, I call it Pocahontas in New York, because it looks like an amusement, you know, when the wind. And uh, I remember that song, the wow. Colors of the Wind with Pocahontas. So yeah. Okay. And a lot of his, pa- his paintings uh, have a lot of meaning and deepness to them. And they're personal. Are you hypnotized when you paint? <laughs> Uh, usually, yes. Um, lots of the time, uh, we actually go into a state of hypnosis without realizing. That's called weed. That's <laughs> it's called. <laughs> it's not. definitely la. <laughs> you can't go into it and uh, that state, like the um, the alpha state, in that in that way at all. You need to be really going deep into yourself. Uh, those things, even though, like me and my brother, always have this conversation. Uh, it's not hypnosis. It's it's uh, what do you call it? No. It's blankness, really. It's just floating. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my hypno- my hypnotherapist never allowed a patient to say uh, you're high or you got high. You actually got you got low. So you, we compare like good times with you know um, with being high, but we're actually not in a higher state of consciousness. We're in actually a much lower state of consciousness. Yeah. So the words that we use on a daily basis have uh, have encouraged. Uh, their use, uh, and again, I say these things not uh, attacking, but just understanding that if you so choose to do it, don't fool yourselves into believing you're in a higher state. Mm-hmm. Do it, enjoy it, uh, you know. But but go back to your daily life. Go back to you. Go back to your achievements, to your goals, and you know, always remember there's you know there's another way. Yeah. Okay. So that's a great note, I think, to end on, oh, cool. to be honest. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I think so more of uh, everything we talked about, one of the things that really stuck with me is that own up to your actions, take responsibility for them. Absolutely. Uh, definitely never throw the blame on someone else. If for your behavior you are doing, you're doing this to yourself. Yeah, and it's not about blame either. It's about yeah. understanding that you are powerful to change to, change to this and you're yeah. powerful enough to change back mm-hmm. or to, if you yeah. so choose to, again. So yeah. If you so choose to stay in that state, there's no right and wrong. 
It's just you have the power to change and don't remove exactly. that power from you. Yeah, and this is this is super important for everyone who's uh, maybe uh, our age and uh, in the society who's still young and maybe struggling on a daily daily basis. It's important to keep that in mind that your actions can define who you are later and they can help you change the situation you are in around you. So they 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 can they can define your current moment current and moment, so yeah. the next moment itself is completely open to you again. 100%. So it just defines your your Current state, state, your yeah. current state so right now. Yes, basically, absolutely. so that they're not, so that you guys won't feel in a state of learned helplessness. Absolutely. absolutely. So, okay. We are all infinite beings. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, so much. <laughs> Thank really you for, for having me, me, honestly. This was great. It was a blast having you. It was great. Thank you and so much. Thank you for all of you, the viewers. And we'll and see you next time. Catch you next time.